And just in case somebody says, you know what, this isn't for me, they're just sampling it. So give us your best tip for fueling a recreational runner, so an athletic trainer who's just trying to stay healthy, mm -hmm. and then we'll move into your story. I think my one tip that might grab people's attention is if you're running, please do not cut carbohydrates out of completely out of your diet. <laughs> please don't running it. Like the mechanism itself will always, to some extent be carbohydrate dependent. And so you're really limiting your performance. If you're cutting carbohydrates completely. Got it. Cupcakes. Fantastic. Come on it. <laughs> That's a carbohydrate for sure. <laughs> well, I mean, I got so many kids. There's always some sort of birthday going on, right? Right. <laughs> All right. Here we go in three, two, one. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Sports Medicine Broadcast, a podcast to promote and improve your practice as an athletic trainer. I am Jeremy Jackson, host of the Sports Medicine Broadcast, but we're talking about fueling the recreational runner. So I'm turning 41 next month and March 17th, St. Patrick's Day. It's my birthday. It's a holiday every year just for my birthday. I'm turning 41. I ran like three miles on Saturday, I think one mile on Sunday, you know, and at the beginning of this summer, I ran 13.1, longest ever. So I got up at like five in the morning, went and ran 13.1. Well, I ran probably like 10 or 11 miles and then I had to take some walk breaks in, in between. But I'm just a recreational runner. I'm a man that's trying to stay healthy and live long because I got lots of lots of kids. And so I want to be able to hang out with them. So I got Meredith Sorensen, a registered dietitian working with the Memorial Hermann Ironman Institute, and Kyle Parkinson. And so if I say that wrong, for some reason, I always put an N in your name, right? So if I say it wrong, I apologize. And you can feel free to correct me because it is your name. I should say it correctly. So... Meredith and Kyle are both from up the northeastern side of the country, and Meredith was a track star, a all-conference steeplechase runner at the University of Houston, so she's down here hanging out with me in Houston. Um, so welcome to the Sports Medicine Broadcast, Meredith and Kyle. Thanks. Excited to be here. Thank you, sir. One of the things that really caught my attention and uh drew me to asking Kyle to join us is he's got a over six years now run streak. So that means at every day for six years, he has run. So he's, I think he's run at least a mile each day for six years. Um, that's crazy ridiculous to me. So maybe for Meredith, you know, where she's in high school and running every day. Anyways, I don't know if that's what's normal, but um, Kyle, tell me a little bit about what started that and then some of the, some of the journey there. Uh, yeah, um, it is crazy. I know that for sure. Um, I've been called that many times. Um, but it started on January 1st of 2016. Um, it actually started um, as a New Year's resolution. Imagine that. Um, but also, uh, both sides of my family have a history of heart disease, and I don't want anything to do with that. Um, so I kind of started with that. But also, I've, I've ran kind of ever since, you know, sixth grade, stuff like that. Um, one year, I think my senior year of high school, I ran every day in the month of February or something like that. And I was like, well, I can, I can try this. I can at least run January and see if I can get to February. And then it just kind of kept going. And now there's no way I can end this thing because that'd be very uh, disheartening. So yeah, there's a little, little short story for you. So you just like, all right, well, let me go one month and then, all right, well, let me see if I can keep going. That's it. Yep. Pretty much. All right. So Meredith, do you have any sort of long run streak? As far as like every day, probably not just with 
um, like intensity training, it's, I really thrived when I had a rest day, at least if not every week, every other week, um, to just kind of, you know, not do nothing, but at least not run. Um, so like whether that's, you know, focusing more on recovery or stretching or foam rolling or whatever that may be. Um, I always almost had a, a rest day every other week or so. Yeah. So if you're on the live stream, I'm flipping over to the picture again. The, this is the, the cover shot or whatever that Meredith sent me. So it's her in the bleachers and just kind of smiling, grinning. So it's, it's, I don't want to say cheesy, but it's really just fun. It seems like it really captures a personality of just, you know, Hey, I'm here. So she's wearing her, her U of H track uniform. Um, and, and I think that's something that's just really cool to, to see. Cause so when you, if you look at the post, then it'll have that picture or I'll use it on social media. But, um, it really just seems like someone who can, who's enjoying what she's doing. So Meredith, um, let's talk a little bit about your, where did you get into running? So like Kyle said, he was a runner in high school and then just kind of started, but where did you get into running and then what motivated you to become an elite athlete in college? Yeah. Um, I love like reminiscing about this cause it goes so far back to, I remember being in elementary school and I have an older sister who her friend was in junior high starting on the cross country team. And just as soon as she told me that all they did was run, I was like, that sounds really fun. <laughs> and so I just kind of always knew that that was going to be the sport for me. And then um, seventh grade, I believe I joined my middle school cross country team. Um, I lived in North Carolina at the time and um, there was a cornfield across from my house and I would go run around it just like for fun. And I just had a blast. And um, I mean, even all the kids, you know, growing up play soccer. And my mom always said that I never cared about the ball. I would just like be so the only kid, like not following the ball, just like running around. And she knew I was going to be a runner then. Um, so it really, I, for me, it goes all the way back to just always feeling really free and having a lot of fun with running. And then um, really got more serious in high school. Uh, made varsity like my freshman year, um, didn't really ever have one single event that I was, that I would call my event. I did everything from like the 400 up to the two mile. Um, and then, you know, struggled with some, some iron deficiency, some under fueling stuff, got that figured out and then really started um, seeing success my junior year track season. And that's really when I was like, oh, I could probably like take this to college if I really tried. And um, that really just opened a lot of opportunities for me once I figured out that I wasn't ready to give it up and that I did wanna keep pursuing it. Um, and that's how I got connected down here with the University of Houston. So it's just kind of been part of my life for a long time. <laughs> All right, so let's kind of continue there. You said you had some iron deficiency issues. Um, Kyle, I'm gonna come back to you and ask you the same thing. You know, that seems like it, said, okay, well, hey, I, is that what in, made you interested in uh, being a dietitian was your personal issues? So a lot of athletic trainers, like, oh, I got hurt, and then I did rehab, and then I was like, oh, hey, this is something I can do. Uh, did, did that play into your decision? And then walk me through that process a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that is probably the first time I ever started thinking about nutrition um, and saw just how much of a difference that could make. Like, I think back to if I would have never, thank God I had a coach that 
was really knowledgeable about it and kind of helped me through that process because if I would have just continued, I, there's no way I would have continued in college. Um, being iron deficient is one of the least fun things I've ever done. I would practice after school because we practice after school in Michigan and I would get home at four or five or whatever and just like taking off my shoes would like lay down and fall asleep because I was so tired and trying to keep it up. And so, you know, the fact that like, obviously I needed supplementation when you're that iron deficient, it's difficult to absorb iron from our food. So um, needed supplementation, but started thinking about more, okay, what foods do I need to include in my diet so that I don't have to supplement forever and can maintain a healthy level. And um, like going through that process definitely made me want to help others kind of avoid any instance where they would have to step away from the sport or not perform their best because it's really not fun to be in that space. So, you know, nutrition plays a very large role in injuries and recovery and all of those things. And so that kind of was the, the main driver for me to become a dietitian. Kyle, you look like you're vibing with the iron deficiency comments. Is that something that you've experienced or an injury that led you to athletic training? Um, I don't believe I've been iron deficient. I mean, it's definitely a possibility. Um, but, um, for me, like, I don't, I, I know nutrition is important. Um, I need to do much better on that. Um, but as far as like becoming an athletic trainer, um, I, I mean, I, we didn't really have one at, cause I went to Monroe central where I'm at now. Um, we didn't really have one. We had one my senior year and he kind of got me into a little bit. And then I went to college actually for exercise science. I was going to do PT and then I was like, wait a second, let's just do athletic training because athletics. But, um, but as far as I know, I don't think I've ever had anything like that as far as running wise. So, so it wasn't an injury that, like you said, you worked with the athletic trainer there at your senior year of high school. Is mm -hmm. And was there an injury or just like regular maintenance stuff? Uh, just kind of talking to him. Uh, I, I got injured a couple of times, but it was kind of, it was when he wasn't there or something like that. But yeah. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So obviously we got the Olympics going on. It's the Winter Olympics, um, and we're you know we're watching the the endurance skiing stuff, and you know that's similar to similar to track. And you guys are talking about running in you know minus twenty six or thirty nine, and you know I know the saying that over there it's five degree air temperature stuff like that. All right, so just considering the demands of an of a collegiate runner, tell us a little bit about what your daily intake look like what your you know your i guess average workload look like and then kind of continue that into what it is now what's your workload now and what's your um how has your diet changed for to meet those needs now yeah i think as a collegiate runner early on i didn't do a good job of fueling for the workload that i was now doing i think in high school i maybe did 30 miles a week on like the high end and then when I was a freshman in college, um, kind of jumped up to about 50 pretty quickly, 50 to 55, and didn't really change much of what I was doing um, and wasn't a great planner. You know, I was like cooking for myself for the first time and just wasn't great at planning, like bringing snacks with me to class or anything like that. So I actually ran into, continued with some underfueling problems in college that eventually led to some stress fractures. My um, sophomore and yeah, my sophomore year. Um, and then kind of, you know, got into more of my nutrition courses, especially sports related and started to figure out 
why why stress fractures were happening to me and never turned back as far as like making sure I was fueling correctly and getting in enough food. Um, so that definitely has shaped my mindset now, even, um, I think the highest mileage I ever got up to in college, my highest mileage week was like 75. And that requires a lot of fuel, even when you're not hungry. So I think training at that intensity really messes with your appetite and you can run into problems if you're not kind of, I don't want to say forcing yourself to eat, but definitely uh, making it a priority. Now, I think I obviously, I don't think I need as much fuel as I did back then. My intensity and workload isn't as high, but I think I still probably do more um, than most full-time people. Um, I was training for a 10K in October and did two 60-mile weeks back-to-back to try to get ready for that. So I still, I hang out around like 40 to 50 miles a week, still as like a quote-unquote recreational runner now. Um, So I still prioritize, you know, especially that recovery after my runs, but I'm not necessarily as concerned with, um, not as concerned about um, maybe like sometimes before my runs, I'll like just go out, I'm going out too early and I don't feel like waking up to have something before. And if it's an easy recovery run, knowing that that's probably okay. Now I'll have plenty of time to recover and I'm not racing every weekend. So like racing is the most intense workout you can do. And so obviously that requires a lot more carbohydrate than I probably need now. Um, so I think that's been definitely the biggest change. Um, but I think one thing I learned the most in college was just to kind of, uh, cue into my body and not ignore like hunger signals. And so I think that was a valuable lesson because now, even though my hunger signals have changed and I'm not as maybe hungry as I was when I was training in college, I still, kind of trust my body to let me know when it really, when it needs to eat. What would, what would be your go-to, let's say breakfast or just pre-run uh, meal or snack or anything like that? Yeah, that's a great question. And I have a really sensitive stomach. So I struggled with this a mm-hmm. lot, especially, you know, around competition where the nerves, all my nerves go straight to like my stomach and I just feel like so nauseous. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I tinkered with a lot of things. Um, I tried like really easy to digest carbohydrates basically. So like sports drinks did it like just something I could just sip on that will have some carbohydrate in there. Um, tried a lot of things, developed a lot of taste aversions to a lot of things. Um, so like I can't do bananas or cliff bars because just had some rough experiences with those, but ultimately what I found I loved was just those really childish go-go squeeze apple sauces, like mm-hmm. found one of those like a half hour before and you're good to go. So that's definitely still my, my go-to for when I need something. Um, obviously if you're running a bit later, um, I would tend to tolerate a bit more. So I might do yeah. a larger snack, like some pretzels with a little bit of something that I'm dipping them in, but I really struggle to eat in the mornings specifically. Um, so definitely just something really quick and easy. Awesome. Kyle, when do you most often run? Uh, well, in a great world, it'd be in the mornings, but uh, that didn't happen this morning. Um, it it kind of goes back and forth. I've, I've unfortunately, so for the run streak, you have to at least run a mile. Uh, unfortunately, I've done a lot of one mile days, definitely the last half of last year. 
Um, and it's kind of leaked over into this year, but, um, if I'm able to, I'll run in the mornings. Um, my wife is student teaching, so she leaves about seven Oh five from our house. So I try if I can't, I mean, if I'm motivated, I guess I should say, I try to go right away and kind of get it in. And, um, but in a, in a nice world to be always in the mornings. <laughs> all right. So any of that indoor for you, like on a, on a treadmill or is it all outdoor? Nope. I'll, I'll teach whatever it is. 2,230 days have all been outside. <laughs> So I don't, I don't like the treadmill and it's kind of just been, I don't know. I'm a little stubborn, so I won't go on the treadmill <laughs> or inside of anywhere. We just had a freeze in Houston last weekend and it was my first treadmill run that I've done in years. And mm -hmm. I was watching the Olympics on the TV and I actually ended up falling. So <laughs> I hate treadmills too. <laughs> yeah. I would do much better outside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I always prefer running outside because, you know, you get mm -hmm. bored or you take one little misstep and then you're all off balance because the treadmill, treadmill keeps going. Mm -hmm. So I definitely prefer the running outside. But as we're again, talking to fueling athletic trainers who are just trying to stay healthy, if the treadmill is what works for you, then, then doing something on the treadmill is better than trying to do what I do. Or what obviously I'm never going to do what Kyle does because there's no way I'm running <laughs> every day. It just it's not happening. Um all right. So we talked about your, you know, 40, 50, 60, even 75 miles in college as you're running. Um, but I don't know much about steeplechase. Like I think I've seen it in some of the Olympics. So talk about that. And are the demands any different for someone running steeplechase versus just running, uh, you know, like the 3200, which is the two mile race, something like that? Yeah, um, I would say steeplechase is definitely a unique event in that you use a lot of muscles you don't normally use. So you got to be more flexible, have a lot of hip mobility to get over. Um, so steeple is a 3K race. There's uh, barriers and a water jump that you have to jump over for those that aren't familiar with it. So I think the demands are, it's a bit more intense and there's a lot more pounding. So you do have to make sure that you're on top of your recovery to prevent injuries. Um, um, as far as like nutritionally, because the intensity is a bit higher, just the demands of jumping over things, primarily um, carbohydrate, like anaerobic kind of systems definitely in play there. I mean, all racing at that level is pretty anaerobic unless you're doing like longer stuff like a 10k or um halves or something like that but um yeah it's definitely a different beast i think the most my arms have ever been sore during a race was in the steeple one of my first steeples because you don't realize how much you're like using your arms to propel yourself while doing like hurdle form um and so that was kind of a wild realization <laughs> Whenever I was watching it in the Olympics, like you see some of the people jump the barrier, fall in the water, or, you know, some of them, every once in a while, somebody would clear it. Is that something that you would normally, like you would just get over the barrier and go in the water and then your shoes are wet for the rest of the race? Or did you normally try to clear that? How did that work for you? The ideal world would be one foot in, one foot out. So you want to propel yourself far enough that about one of your shoes gets wet. Um, the water jump is definitely the toughest <laughs> to kind of get down. Um, I have luckily never fallen in a water pit, but I did fall like over barriers when I was fatigued. One of my back knees didn't get like up high enough. So I 
hit that with my back knee and those are not regular hurdles. They do not move. And so you go down if you hit it. Um, and so I had a nice big bruise that swelled up on my knee, but, um, I was kind of happy. I got the fall out of the way. Cause then I wasn't scared of falling anymore. I was like, Oh, okay. Well you just will get up and go. <laughs> All right, so I could see this kind of translating to somebody running like a Tough Mudder or the Weekend Warrior type type racer. So if I was to do that, say I want to take my, you know, I got an 11-year-old son or a 9-year-old son. Maybe they want to go run a mud race, right? Again, I'm almost 41 years old. Um, mm-hmm. What do I need to consider as far as fueling me and then fueling a 9-year-old as we prepare for and recover from a race like that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, you want, it's kind of the same general sports nutrition principles. So you want to make sure, um, a couple hours before that you're having a solid meal where about the majority of your plate is probably a carbohydrate of some sort. If it's in the morning and you don't have as much time, making sure that that's like quickly absorbed and digested carbohydrates So nothing too high in fiber, nothing too high in fat. Cause that slows down digestion a bit. And then, um, if you have a couple hours before your race, making sure you're getting a lean protein source in, and then obviously including some color, whether that's fruit or veggies, um, maybe that's just not the majority of your plate on a competition day. And then if you only have like an hour or so, kind of the principles I was telling Kyle a bit before, just a snack, um, primarily carbohydrates that are going to be well tolerated and easily absorbed just to make sure that you have some fuel circulating in your blood when you're going into that competition so that you can kind of spare your carbohydrate stores in your body a bit. All right. So you mentioned before that your boyfriend is a a cross country coach here in the Houston area. Um, And and again, talking about adults, recreational race on the the weekends, do you guys, does he run? Do y'all run together? And then do y'all ever race each other? (laughs) Yeah. So we met on the team at UH, um, he has dealt with kind of a nagging injury for the past, like since he's been done with school. Um, but he started to see a PT and work working through that. So um, we do run together, but I will say for the past couple of years, I've been much fitter than he has been. And so luckily he, he's really um, like down to earth and he doesn't, doesn't have a big ego or it doesn't, that doesn't affect his confidence at all. And he's very supportive of me, but we do trash talk a bit sometimes. <laughs> so yeah. as you should, I feel like. Right. Yeah. <laughs> One day he'll get faster than me again. So I'm kind of just enjoying <laughs> the spot I'm in. So Kyle, you're married. Uh, you were like, what, what, one or two years married? Uh, it'll be three years in April, three years. There you go. So two years right now coming up on three years. All right. And obviously you've been running for six years. Is your wife a runner? Uh, she was, um, she did cross country and track in high school. Um, I got to shout her out. She has one of the school records still, and she had one that was broken. Um, but when she graduated high school, she ran a little bit. Um, and then now she does more, uh, we have one of the Peloton bikes. So she does, uh, those workouts on there that she really enjoys. Um, but then she also coaches track at MC. Um, so she still is able to dabble in that a little bit and, um, uh, she enjoys that. She still enjoys running as far as that goes, but just not actively doing it as much as she used to. Jerry, so what is the a run or a fitness session for you two together look like? 
Uh, there's not too many. Um, it, it we've done more actually more this year and like later last year. Um, the Peloton workouts, like core workouts. Um, so we'll do those together on our living room floor back here, and um, that's actually been kind of nice. Um, and then here and there, when I do some of my runs, she'll ride her bike with me. So that's kind of been enjoyable too, because I pretty much do probably of all the days I've done, I've probably done like 98% of them by myself. So it's kind of nice to have somebody sometimes. Yeah, for sure. So my wife doesn't run. She's been jogging in the living room, which okay. again works for her because it's really hard. Cause if I leave the house at six 30 in the morning, she would have to get up at like five to go to a mm-hmm. gym to run. Cause it's dark. We're not running. She doesn't want to run around the neighborhood by herself. Yeah. If I get home at 6 PM, then again, it's starting to get dark and you know, she stays at home with the kids and it's not like she can just go during the middle of the day. It's tough on her. Right. So it's just not something she's really into at the moment. But you mentioned earlier, Kyle, that nutrition is something that you can do better on. I think on your 26th birthday, you ran 26.1 across like two states or something like that. Right. Yeah. uh, Across my County and then into Ohio. All right. So looking at that, what are some of the things that you feel like you struggle with or you need help with that maybe Meredith can give you that little extra push? Um, well, I did. So I, the reason I was actually just able to run a marathon, cause most time I, I can't, like, if I went out and tried that now, there's no way, but, um, I did train for a marathon and I had one in late April and then my birthday is May 4th. So it kind of, it was like a week and a half later or something. Um, but the biggest thing for me, cause I've done, two marathons and then my marathon, my birthday. Um, I pretty much just tank, which it could be training. Um, but I also don't think I take like, I really like the like cliff blocks and then like the goose energy. Um, I'm okay at taking them probably when I should, but then that's pretty much all I take in. So any recommendations at all? Yeah, I think, you know, you're definitely not alone. I mean, the marathon in general, it's hard not to take. It's just so far. But as far as um, like kind of carb recommendations while we're doing that, it's all time-based. So yeah, if you're, you know, doing long runs, practicing with carbohydrate, our general recommendations are 30 to 60 grams of carbohydrate per hour. So if you're running um, like a three-hour marathon, that would look like anywhere from 92 180 grams of carbohydrate over the course of that run. Um, so like each gel or like the cliff blocks are usually somewhere around 20 grams of carbohydrate. So just thinking like, okay, if I have a full one of these, I still need to do a bit more within the hour, um, to hit at least 30 grams of carbohydrate. And kind of like I mentioned earlier, what that's doing is preventing your body from really dipping into the stores of carb it has in your muscles and your liver. And so when we do that, we can kind of delay fatigue a bit because then we're not hitting the wall and running completely on empty. Um, The other thing that does in taking carbohydrate pretty consistently is it can keep our um, gut from having as much damage as it might if you weren't taking anything in. And so it can kind of delay like or prevent uh, negative GI symptoms as well. Um, So I think you know, you can get carbohydrate from fluids, solids, gels. So finding what works for you and kind of making sure you have a variety of things. Cause when you are running for that long, your appetite and your taste preferences can vary wildly. So making sure yeah. you have a lot of options available to you. Yeah. What about going off of 
nutrition. Um, what about hydration? How much should we be taking in? Yeah, that's a really good question. So technically, so for recreational runners, it's tough because you don't want to overdo your hydration and at risk of running into hyponatremia, meaning we've taken on too much fluid, not enough salt, and it um, kind of bottoms out our, our sodium levels in the body. So a good recommendation is drinking to thirst during a marathon. So whenever you're thirsty, taking a sip, um, not doing all of your um, carbohydrates from liquid is probably a good recommendation just to make sure we're not overdoing it or feeling too heavy from fluid too. So mm-hmm. probably don't need to stop at every like pit stop if you're doing like an actual marathon race, but making sure that, you know, when you are thirsty, you're sipping to, to satisfy that thirst is probably a good way to start. Um, just kind of like general day-to-day hydration outside of activity would be half your body weight in ounces. And I don't know many people that even (laughs) do that. So think about like doing that outside of your activity. And so then you need extra fluid to kind of make up for what you've lost in sweat. Yeah. Awesome. I know it's a little gross, but when I'm running, like my mouth gets dry and so I end up spitting a lot. <clears throat> and and so then you know if I'm going for a little bit longer say like three miles and I kind of get feel like my mouth is really dry and I can't spit and get that out um thoughts on that I mean obviously you guys have a lot of running experience and then we're talking about hydration so thoughts on that other than just don't spit um I will say I wouldn't be too worried that you're losing a ton of fluid from spitting you're probably still okay if you're well hydrated Um, I think things that worked for me when we ran indoor track, the air is really dry and I had a lot of dry mouth issues as well would be if you've ever tried running with gum or, you know, if you are, you know, bringing fluid on the run with you and like a handheld bottle that could potentially prevent some of that dry mouth feeling. Um, But as far as like your hydration status, I I think you're probably okay. I, I agree with Meredith too. Um, I used to have a lot of issues with like dry mouth, but it's gotten better. I think, I don't know, it's just getting used to it, but, um, on my longer runs and stuff like that, I always have water with me too, just so I can kind of rinse my mouth out if I need to, or, uh, chewing gum has worked with a lot of my athletes actually. All right. So then we talked about cow running with a negative 36 degrees. So if I'm, if I'm running and it's cold, which again, here in Houston is anything below 50 is cold. Um, <laughs> Then, <laughs> then I probably have like just the other night, I think it was 32 when I ran, I had a, like a face mask on. Um, and so then that ends up like chapping my lips. Right. Mm-hmm. So for, for somebody who's going to run when it's cold, because we, you know, we help hopefully right, have enough encouraging athletic trainers to be healthy year round. What are some of the things that you guys have done to help fight that? So for me, uh, 50 degrees sounds really good right now. I could take that. Um, but um, when it gets for me, at least just being used to more of the colder winters and stuff, um, most time I don't wear a face shield until, uh, it's about 20 degrees or under. Um, but I have these, um, oh, what's the company? I think it's SNA fishing. I think actually they sell some face shields and I've gotten those. Um, and then when it gets really cold, if it's like negative 10 ish or below, I'll wear, um, like a fleece lined one. Um, but chapped lips unfortunately do happen um i just kind of and i actually just put some on before here but i just kind of have to get in more of a routine of just doing it kind of constantly or i'm just gonna be terrible so 
That's at least what I do. <laughs> yeah, I think the face burn and from like the wind and stuff was the worst. And so I would start doing like a lot of Vaseline on like the lips and exposed areas of my skin that seemed to help as far as like the dryness. But I think, you know, <laughs> after being in Houston, this is going on my seventh year. I've come a little, become a little soft with the cold as well. <laughs> so, you know, not necessarily as used to it as I was in high school, but I will say mittens are your best friend. They're so much warmer than gloves. Yes. And that's definitely the move there. <laughs> And, you know, as far as layers, you can always take layers off time around your waist. So if, you know, if being cold in the morning is a reason you're giving yourself to not go run, layer up, get super toasty, and then you don't have that excuse anymore. <laughs> yeah, so even just one mile um, before, you know, you go to work, that kind of thing, it just builds that habit like Kyle said he's been doing for, you know, close to six years, something like that. Um even just even just something helps get you started and so uh you guys mentioned the sensitive stomach in the morning not eating a lot um and i've talked before whenever i go run I, if i run in the morning i can only only run like a mile before i have to stop and go to the bathroom um so with both of you having a lot of experience there and i know that a lot of people like coffee in the morning which is a diuretic which makes some people have to go poop so talk a little bit about that to the athletic trainer that may be getting started trying to figure out how to incorporate running and nutrition at the same time yeah i think um if it's anything less than like an hour that you're running you probably it's you probably don't need to eat anything and um, especially if it's like an easy run if you know it's a short but intense workout maybe you're doing like some hill sprints or whatever intense looks like to you where your heart rate's up you probably couldn't hold a conversation then i would recommend getting some sort of carbohydrate in so if you know you're just going for a jog um probably don't need to force yourself to eat in the mornings if you don't want to effect like running fasted would be fine at that point as long as we're you know making sure we're having a good breakfast after um, so yeah, I don't think the general easy day you would need to have anything, um, coffee though, to wake yourself up. Definitely. <laughs> Maybe if you want to give yourself some time to let it have its effect, or if you know that there's, you know, regularly scheduled bathrooms along your route, that would be a plan, definitely a way to plan ahead because I've definitely run with people who have had these issues. <laughs> Kyle, what you got? For at least for me, um, I always have to eat actually. So when I wake up, um, like, I mean, I'm sometimes I'm hungry, sometimes I'm not, but I know like if I try to run on an empty stomach, I'll feel like I have to vomit. <laughs> so I just try not to, uh, do that. So, but like, kind of like what Meredith said earlier, um, I'll do like a, um, you know, cliff bar I've done before, like a pop tart or, um, just kind of something smaller, um, but at least there's something in there. So I just, I feel at least a little bit better when I'm running. You got it. Eat right. Pop-Tarts. Yeah. <laughs> Eat Pop-Tarts. <laughs> Get it sponsored right now. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's important to note that everyone is going to be so individual with this. So like Kyle was saying, if you're waking up hungry and running on an empty stomach bothers you more then definitely eat something. Yeah. If you're more like me or eating something tends to bother you more then you know, know the days where you're trying to get through it and force yourself to have something versus days where it's probably not necessary. Yeah. 
I think Jeremy and I have both probably seen, there's a lot of like, I mean, just like you said, but all of our athletes are completely different. And it's just like all the track runners are different depending on what they do on Saturday morning invitationals and stuff like that. So. For sure. I will say when it comes to high school athletes though, I would love if they would all have something before every practice, just because it's such an important time for growth development. And they're, most of them are skipping one or two meals a day as it is. And so I wish that (laughs) I spend most of my time at the high schools I work with, like just trying to get kids to eat a bit more. (laughs) So if my athletes are listening, listen to Meredith. (laughs) All right. So on that note, as we're talking about high school athletes running before practice, so I put it in the show notes that Kyle and I are going to come up with kind of like a either or, and Meredith's going to have to pick one and tell us why, why she would Mm -hmm. pick that one. So, Cal, are you, you got kind of a list ready of snacks that, you know, your high school athletes might normally eat or maybe even you eat before running? Yeah, yep, right, I have so, a couple. I asked some of my athletes. So. All right, so you start with one, and then I'm going to throw another one out there. Okay, so my athlete said Cheez-Its okay. or ramen. What's the context? Is this pre-practice or? Um, so, yeah, let's go, let's go after school, pre-practice. Okay. okay. So I would say probably the Cheez-Its would be a, a good option. Um, so really small, easy to tolerate, quick source of carbohydrate, especially if, you know, if school's done at three and you got practice at 3.15, 3.30, that would definitely be where I would start. If, you know, you've done ramen and can like feel fine with it and it's a, a, just a bit larger volume, then go for it. I will say ramen would also have some fluid, so you can like knock out <laughs> hydration with it too. But I'd probably go with the Cheez-Its to start. Hmm. All right. Okay, I'll start with this one. Let's go with uh, Gatorade Energy Chews. And then I have Oreos. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Gatorade Energy Chews. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a good one. All right, Kyle, you lead us off with one. one. Um. Let's go uh, Hershey bar. And then um, I'll go with a Hershey bar with almonds. Oh, okay. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I think if we're in the same context, um, just the regular Hershey bar, because adding almonds to it would be a source of fat and that'll slow down digestion just a bit. Um, so we want to make sure we're getting carbohydrates into our system as quickly as possible in that short amount of time. All right. Um, let's go with we here in our athletic training facility. We sell a lot of stuff, and one of the big things is um, we have these ices. So it's like uh, you know, like the Slurpee icy type thing, but mm-hmm. it's in the freezer. So it's like a push okay. pop. So we so mm-hmm. an icy. Mm-hmm. I'll just go. Uh, let's go a Gatorade protein shake. That's what we have in mind. Okay. These are yeah. These are great. Okay. <laughs> So I would go with the icy, especially if, you know, you're practicing after school and it's hot. We actually know that that can kind of cool off or give your perception to your body that it's colder and help you not fatigue as easily. So here in Houston, that would be a pretty great option, actually, as far as carbohydrates go. I would use the Gatorade protein shake after, though, for sure, or for our athletes like snacking during the day. A lot of them struggle to get in enough protein, and so that can be a really great option either, you know, throughout the day. If you're, I try to get my athletes to eat a solid amount of protein every like four hours or so, and so that would be 
a great option if you struggle to get protein in at breakfast or at snacks or, you know, a bedtime snack after a hard workout. So I would definitely utilize both just in very different contexts. <laughs> well, there we go. All right. I got one more and Kyle, I want you to do okay. something similar. So uh, okay. the favorite brand of chips here would be like hot Cheetos or Takis. So that's, that's mine is like a hot Cheeto or a Taki uh, potato chip. Kyle. Yeah. Mm, Pringles. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, I don't get the hot Cheeto Taki craze, but I would go with Pringles, just plain Pringles because um, spice can be an irritant to our stomach and definitely going into intense exercise would probably in most athletes cause some issues or maybe not feel as great. So the more kind of like bland, just regular salty would probably be, be good. Um, yeah. The interesting thing about eating a lot of salt is that it drives thirst. So if you do struggle to hydrate, have a salty snack and it'll tell your body to also drink some water. <laughs> life hack right there yeah <laughs> all right Kyle we are about at that time to close close it out you got final thoughts questions concerns for Meredith or some of the stuff we've covered um just kind of a, a random question I just thought of talking about protein um we have in my athletic training room I saw the Gatorade product so I do the energy shoes I do um weight protein shakes protein bars and then just regular Gatorades would there be a um, is there a better option as far as like a, let's say like a protein shake as far as like a powder form turned in with milk or water and then like a protein bar, is there uh, pros and cons to each or is one better than the other? As far as brands go. Or just, just like, if is there a difference at all between like a protein drink and a protein bar? Mm. Yeah. So bars will typically tend to have a bit more carbohydrate than like a protein shake or and then a ready to drink protein shake, like the Gatorade ones will have more carbohydrate than if you were to just get a protein powder and mix it yourself. So that's something to keep in mind. If, you know, we don't need as much carbohydrates, if we haven't had as high intensity of a day, maybe a protein powder would be a way to just get in, making sure we're getting in like just a good dose of protein. Um, as far as the type of protein powder, our Gatorade ones are going to be made with whey protein powder, and that's totally sufficient. That's a really good one. We know it's high in leucine and amino acid that kind of tells your muscles like, Hey, let's build up here and, you know, recover really well and kind of increases muscle protein synthesis. So whey is honestly one of the cheaper ones too. And so it's totally fine to look for one. That's just a whey protein. Um, as far as bars go, I think the key is to find one that you like. So the more protein they try to pack in a bar to me, the, the taste and the texture gets worse, progressively worse. So finding one that's right around 15 to 20 is probably a sweet spot. Um, your cliff bars will have about nine or 10. So maybe a bit lower than I would recommend. So maybe pairing that with a, another source of protein. Okay. Yeah. All right, so on that same note, so I know Gatorade in their, their things that they sell. So we bought the muscle milk shakes, but they also sell the, the Gatorade super shake or whatever it is. So out of those two, do you know the difference between the two? And would you recommend one over the other? Um, I'm not entirely sure of the difference. I would need to probably, I would look at just the protein content. So like, for example, if one has 15 and one has 20, they're really pretty similar and will probably have like minimal difference in the effects it has on your body. However, if I'm someone who 
you know, really needs to recover or struggles to get protein at my meals, then I would definitely always opt for the higher one, the one that's higher in protein. But also taste is going to play a big role in that too. So sometimes protein shakes can be really chalky and gross. <laughs> so I would need to find one that I like and actually would enjoy drinking too. I never want to have an athlete like force feed gross things that they don't like <laughs> into their body. There's options. There's so many options out there that it's pretty easy to find at least one that they'll like. As far as um, for like plant-based people, I know that's pretty trendy right now. They there's a lot of products out there as far as like protein shakes, protein powders. I would be looking for one that's either soy protein or PEA protein um, isolate. Those are just going to be higher quality than some of our other vegetable or plant-based proteins, meaning they contain more of the essential amino acids. So you'll get a better response in your body. All right. So recently I got some Gatorade, like protein drinks, but it was actually like Gatorade, like blue Gatorade that had I think 10 or 20 grams of protein in the Gatorade. Oh, yeah. Or I've had the, like, I think it's ready is, you know, they sent me some samples and basically it's like protein water. Have you yep. had any of those and thoughts with those? I think that they are very chalky. I haven't had a one that I like, there's like this aftertaste where, mm -hmm. you know, that it's not just plain water. <laughs> Um, so, you know, it's just another option that people can try. I think it's just proteins like the hot trend right now, which is, it is for a reason. So there's tons of products coming out. I mean, protein, everything I've seen protein cheese puffs, you know, like they're just adding it to everything, which can be great because we know that not a lot of athletes reach protein targets, but, um, you know, would I probably just recommend we find ways to get higher quality, like lean meats or um, like animal products in their diet, probably. <laughs> God, you look like you had something to say about the protein water drinks. I just, I saw them. I've, uh, when, sometimes I have to go to Walmart to get some of my Gatorade stuff. And I saw them. I was like, interesting. Uh, the price point would have been, I would have made no money, which is fine. Um, I'm just raising money for my program, selling them. But, um, I was kind of interested in them. Um, but I may have to try them sometime now. Um, but it, I don't know. I feel like I just want either regular Gatorade or a protein shake. I don't know if I want to mix the two into one. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my personal, like if I was eating, so I eat peanut butter and jelly sandwich and then mm -hmm. water and a, and an orange almost every day for lunch. Oh, with some chips, um, preferably Cheetos. Uh, so okay. that's my normal lunch. But if I'm eating something like tacos, then that protein drink is a little bit more acceptable like i can i could drink it but i couldn't just drink it like in replace of gatorade if i was you know going around you know walking around or anything like that but you know i think it has its place but maybe it's something you just have to get used to so all right meredith best way to get a hold of you what's that yeah probably um instagram at meredith darcy nutrition so i can probably send you the spelling correct spelling of that um, I do have a Twitter. I think it's at Mare, so M-E-R-E Sorensen R-D. I'm not as active on there. I usually just use it to stay up to date on research and things like that. So probably Instagram is the best, best way. Yeah. You said Meredith Darcy on Instagram? Yeah. So Darcy, D-A-R-C-I-E, nutrition. All right. So find her. Again, she works with, right now, with Brett Singer, who's been on the podcast multiple times over at the Ironman Sports Medicine Institute um, and so they're a big proponent of what we're doing here on the podcast and helping to connect athletic trainers with qualified professionals. 
Kyle, I know you are TikTok famous and all that, all over social media. And I apologize because you did say you normally just respond to KP instead of Kyle. Um, it's all good. But so uh, KP, what's the best yes. way to get a hold of you? Um, so all my social media, as far as athletic training, is Monroe Central AT. Um, TikTok, you can find the most. I mean, I post videos every day. Um, but as far as messaging me, uh, unfortunately, TikTok, you have to be following each other to message. So Instagram, uh, you can send me a, a direct message on there, and I uh, try to check that every single day to get back to you. All right, Meredith, if you got, you got to leave us with one either resource, piece of advice, or caution. What is that? Ooh, just one. Okay. <laughs> um, I think, you know, most of your audience is athletic trainers. And I think if you want to look up like relative energy deficiency in sport or the female athlete triad, that will be super helpful for you to screen your athletes. Because like I said, a lot of the high school athletes I work with are under fueling and it leads to problems down the line. So familiarizing yourself with those concepts or reaching out to me for more resources on those concepts would be a great kind of tool to have in your toolbox just to rule out with your athletes. Yep. As far as the recreational runner, keep going. Like transitioning into a full-time job and still trying to run is very difficult than when I had all the time in the world in college. So kudos to everyone recreational, recreationally running that also works full time. <laughs> so I, I really love the relative energy deficiency reminder because even just recently I had a girl get hit and she's like, oh, well, you know, my head hurts and I'm feeling a little dizzy. Well, did you eat anything today? Did you drink anything today? No, I didn't drink. I haven't drank any water because I left my water bottle at home and I don't, I didn't eat breakfast. And I don't like the school lunch. So I'm like, well, you're dehydrated you're hungry yeah it, it's normal for you to be off balance to be head hurting to be mm -hmm. a little confused and so it's just and then she's out here trying to play sports so it, it's super important for us to ask those questions as well so meredith thanks for that great reminder if you want to find her meredith darcy nutrition i'll have a link to that in the show notes this is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash fueling recreation again sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash fueling recreation and if you happen to be ordering some of the Gatorade sports packs, I think Myotech has them. I know my local um, sports med supplier has them, and so you can buy those from there. And so give Myotech a shot at earning your business in sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash Myotech, or you can use the code DSMB, and it'll get you a little bit of a discount on the, your order there. But if you're ordering through the school, a lot of times you get a – like a bid or a quote and it doesn't necessarily work but give it a shot tell them i sent you so for jeremy meredith sorensen registered dietitian kyle parkinson athletic trainer at monroe central so where he graduated from high school and they came back and took over and is leading the charge there doing fantastic things on social media and the sports medicine broadcast that is a wrap thanks thanks so much it was awesome